Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views, and it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And tonight we are continuing our Cryptid State series. And we decided to go with Washington State this time. Now, Washington State is the most Northwest United States state, uh, borders Canada as well as Oregon, and is east uh, bordered by Idaho. It is the 18th largest of the United States and has the 13th largest population, although most of that population lives in, in and around the city of Seattle. The geography of Washington is diverse. There are lowlands. I don't know how you would pronounce this word. Fjords. Fjord. I think I think it is fjords. I don't remember. Yeah, I always call it fjords because <laughs> it's easier. Fjords. Rivers, glaciers, and mountains, which include several volcanoes. All of these varying landscapes have one thing in common: trees. Lots and lots of trees. An estimated forty point seven percent of the state is covered in them. Famous Washington. Which Washingtonians include game show host Bob Barker, Nirvana frontman Kurt Cobain, Microsoft founder Bill Gates, guitarist Jimi Hendrix, and TV's Batman Adam West. Washington State is the only state to be named after a president. Now, interestingly enough, Washington State also has its very own set of cryptids. Now, I found it kind of interesting because there are a couple here that we haven't talked about in the past. Some of them we have. So we'll probably be very brief on the ones that we have had talked about. But the most interesting that I think is that of Bat Squatch. Now, I'm kind of familiar with Bat Squatch, but I haven't done intensive uh research into it until we were doing this episode. So Basquatch actually re- originates from around Mount St. Helen. Uh, Mount St. Helen was is an active volcano in the Cascade Mountains that boasts a volcano cam, zip line adventure, and a gift shop. Uh, the vo- volcano erupted in May of 1980, producing avalanches that could have filled one million Olympic-sized swimming pools with debris. Around that time is when the sighting of Bat, squ- bat Squatch happened. Uh, after the eruption, people around the mountain began to report seeing a nine-foot-tall bluish-purple ape 
with blazing yellow eyes and enormous bat wings. The Tacoma News Tribune carried an article in April of 1994 about 18-year-old Brian Canfield's encounter with the monster. While driving along the edge of a forest, Canfield's pickup expected unexpectedly shut down and crawled to a stop. According to the article, and this is a direct quote, he saw the feet descending, bird feet, claw feet, then the legs, the torso, the chest, and the wings folded attached to the back of the broad shoulders, then the head, that face, the creature, nine feet tall, 30 feet away, blue tinted fur, yellowish eyes, tufted ears, and sharp straight teeth. With a dust-raising thud, it landed. The monster glared at Canfield for a while, how long he didn't know. Then it spread its wings and took off. With the beast gone, the truck started and Canfield sped home. After that, there have been two other sightings that were reported, at least. Uh, in 2009, two friends hiking around Mount Shasta saw a Hulk Hogan-sized ape with leathery wings fly from a crevice and disappear into a grove of trees. And again in 2011, a Washington man walked down, or I'm sorry, walked his dog, saw something large in the sky with bat wings, blue fur, and had eyes glowing red. It was about nine feet tall, at least after I watched it just fly away. Again, that was a direct quote from this gentleman. So what it sounds like to me is there really is no differing uh, attributes to this creature other than one guy says the eyes were red, where everybody else said the eyes are yellow. Um, <laughs> was there anything that you came across on Bat Squatch? Not really. It's, I mean, it, it's one of those like again. It's a it's a state creature. This isn't something that's known uh, nationally by any means. It's not like our typical Sasquatch or your dogmen things like that, which are seen scattered throughout the country. Uh, this is more localized to Washington and in particular around the Mount St. Helens area. Uh, so there's not a lot of information on it. And of course, some of the uh, most recent news comes from. 2011 which is quite a few years ago now um not to say that there haven't been more that are probably more uh, localized and therefore local newspapers as opposed to the internet-based stuff but still interesting um you know one thing that i find that's really weird about not just creature this creature but just about any of the flying creatures that we've talked about over the years uh whether it be this bat squatch or the um uh, the Jersey Devil or even the Mothman is that whenever someone encounters them, uh, their car unseemingly seems to shut down in the middle of the road. Uh, and it's really weird because you would consider this creature more of a cryptid, not having any particular special powers. But it seems like all three of these flying creatures and others uh, seem to have some sort of magical properties to them, which either pool energy from the car much like spirits do from what you know parascientists believe is uh, uh extracting energy from the solar from human uh electrical currents um mm. or for whatever reason it's able to send out its own little shock wave like a uh uh oh, what are those called 
EMP. Is that electromagnetic? Oh. Is that is that right? Electromagnetic that, yeah. pulse or something? Yeah, that, yeah that's so, what would disrupt a, a electrical field. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, it could be that too, and I, I just find it, it's really weird that these flying creatures are the ones that tend to have that ability. Uh, we don't see it with other Sasquatches. We don't see it with any of the dogmen. We don't see it with the Wendigo or any of those other creatures that we've talked about. It's only these flying creatures that are relatively bat-like or moth-like. Yeah. Um, and we've also talked about how these cryptids, uh, any cryptids, but we were specifically talking about um, Dogman and Bigfoot, um, how these things could be some type of spiritual creature in nature instead. So if the flying ones, if it applies to that, would make sense as well, as you're saying, the, the EMP effect, because... Mm-hmm it's a spirit and we know that spirits affect electrical currents. Um, so right. Um, that's the only thing I would think of. Um, unless, I mean, human body puts off bioelectrical field. So it would make sense. These cryptids might put off some type of bioelectrical field that would cause some type of EMP effect against, normal electronics. So I I think that's a possibility too. Yeah, I agree. Um, But yeah, it is odd that it's usually just the flying ones that cause this. So why don't you go into the next cryptid, the Ketborosaurus? Yeah. uh, The Ketborosaurus. Basically, lurking in the waters off the coast of Washington is a, what would someone consider a horse headed serpent that has been seen up and down the coast of the Pacific Northwest for centuries. Now, although common in American Indian folklore, the first sighting of this creature, the first sighting in this creature was by Europeans uh, back in the 1700s. The, the Cadborosaurus is described as around 50 feet long, grayish Brown uh, with vertical coils and flippers. Um, and it's considered more or less a serpent. So we're looking at like a snake-like type of creature uh, in in appearance. Now, there have been hundreds of sightings throughout the Pacific Northwest since the early 1900s, such as the 1934 report of a 30-foot-long remains discovered on Washington's Henry Island. Whalers just north of Washington in Canada, in Canadian waters, found a Cataborosaurus in the belly of a sperm whale, and in 1963, a riding corpse with a horse-like head was found on the shores of Washington's Oak Harbor. Now, in 2009, a relatively more recent, a relatively more recent sighting, a fisherman named Kelly Nash shot a video in Alaska of what he claims to also be the Catabarosaurus. Now, if you get a chance, go ahead and watch the video. We'll probably even post it up on our Facebook page for you. Uh, but it's your typical photo or a video, I mean, you know, kind of blurry, close up, can't really get a good tell of what it is. Um, And personally, in my own opinion, watching the video, it almost looks like it could be whales of some sort, uh, just a pot of whales hanging out. But we don't really know because we can't, the video is so close, we can't actually judge the size of the creature or the length of the creature uh, to its surroundings. So unfortunately, that is a problem. 
Um, now, what's interesting to me is that this creature, despite the hundreds of reports, there's not really much more to go off of, as it is, of course, a serpent, a water creature. We never have a lot of information on water creatures because they're harder to spot, um, since most waters are so dark. But I think it's interesting that there is a, a claim that somebody had found the creature in the belly of a whale. Um and my guess, though, however, is that like if that were the case, I feel like it would have been much bigger news and we'd have a whole lot more information on this creature as being not a cryptid, but instead an actual, you know, animal <laughs> that that is scientifically understood and accepted. Uh, so I would guess that whatever he found in the in the whale, if anything, would probably have been an eel of some sort, most likely, or even possibly the tentacle of some octopus or squid. Although, who knows? That was my thought. Was maybe it got a hold of a, a octopus or or a, a squid? Um, I mean, the giant squid is a quote unquote cryptid, even though we know it exists. Um, so maybe something like that happened. Not that it ate a giant squid, because the giant squid sometimes gets bigger than whales, but um, just that it somehow had eaten a squid, which isn't a normal food source for whales, but it doesn't mean that it couldn't have accidentally swallowed one as it was trying to eat krill or something. Right. Well, I mean, sperm whales are... They, they actually are known to eat uh, giant and colossal squids uh, along with a number of other fish and other, you know, typical things you would normally see a, uh, I guess, more like a orca would eat. Um, okay. So it's very well possible that it did get a hold of something, you know, and, and it, in fact, National Geographic even has pictures, uh, rare photos, that is of a uh, killer or of a uh, sperm whale eating a giant squid. Um, so that's really interesting too. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, it's not one of those things that you would think though. Like for me, I never realized that sperm whales eat similar to, to an orca. So that's actually kind of interesting. Um, but I don't think it ate one of these card, uh, Cadborosauruses, um, mostly because as we were saying, um, it actually comes from Native American folklore. It's not even one of those things that is supposedly like, for example, Nessie, we think it's a remnant of a dinosaur. The Cadborosaurus, uh, as far as I've seen in science, hasn't even been proven to exist. And it's kind of weird looking. Kind of looks like a camel head for the for the head. Um, mm. So, yeah, I'll have to look at that video because I actually did not watch the video before recording so i'll have to post that for you guys um 
so the next cryptid, which isn't really a cryptid, but it's interesting nevertheless, is drunken bears. Yes, you heard me right. Drunken bears. Uh, bears are dangerous. They are an estimated 25,000 black bears in Washington. Uh, that's 11 times more bears in the state than Italian immigrants. The bears are also apparently thirsty. In 2004, campers at Bear Lake, Baker Lake, sorry, Washington, woke to find a black bear lying unconscious outside their tent amongst a littering of empty beer cans. During the night, the bear opened the cooler and got into the beer. Campers had two brands in the cooler, the national domestic brand Bush and the popular regional brand Rainier. The beer apparently, the bear apparently preferred Rainier. It drank 36 of them. And this is a quote from Lisa Broxon. He drank the Rainier and wouldn't drink the Bush beer. Wildlife agents tried to remove the bear, but it climbed into a tree because it simply wanted to sleep. Four hours later, agents chased the bear away. However, it came back to the spot the next morning. Agents brought in a humane trap and baited it with honey, donuts, and two open cans of reindeer. That did the trick. After trapping the bear, authorities relocated it away from the campground. So, like I said, not really a cryptid, but it's kind of odd that the bear got into this beer. Now, granted, bears generally will eat or drink anything, just anything they come across, uh, hence the cartoon Yogi. But um, I don't know. Have you ever heard anything like that before? Um, of a bear? I think I think so. But, you know, I, I feel like it's an animal thing because even uh, both of Ellie's dogs and uh, my parents' dog all tend to like beer and wine, like very, very much so. If you open a can, they're on your lap trying to drink out of it. So it's weird. But animals <laughs> actually like alcohol a lot. <laughs> I don't know why, but they're living uh, some weird lives. <clears throat> Maybe the smell? Maybe. Could be. I just know like with all the animals that we had, minus the cats, because, you know, they're weird too. Um but the dogs have always kind of, if you put a drop of beer or wine in a bowl for them, they're hooked immediately. Don't know why. It's weird. All right. Well, I'll have you go into the Rock Lake Monster. So Rock Lake, near the Idaho border, is a seven-mile-long, mile-wide silver of sliver of water that is about 375 deep and may be home to a legendary serpent. Uh, this one's a little different from the one we had just previously spoke about. Now, American Indians held that rock lake in taboo after a monster rose from the depths of the lake hundreds of years ago and devoured an entire tribe. Although there are no clear descriptions of this creature, it is often described as shaped like a swimming log that appears under the water. Uh, sightings are rare, but they do occur. A 1995 article in the Spokesman Review quoted a local amateur historian on studying the monster. My sis, this is in quotes, my sis owns property on one of the lake's points, the historian told the newspaper. He asked to remain anonymous. 
One evening, she was rounding at the point into a bay when she saw something huge on top of the water suddenly splash and go under. I asked her how big it was. It was as big as a tree and stretched further across than my living room, she said. I think it was a sturgeon myself. Sturgeon seemed to be the popular answer, of course, for sightings such as this, as well as for the enormous underwater moving objects fishermen have seen with electronic equipment. Now, the largest sturgeons can grow up to 18 feet long and weigh around 4,400 pounds. According to the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife, there are no sturgeons in Rock Lake. Now, we had actually just brought up sturgeons a couple of episodes ago uh, in regards to some of the lake monsters. Uh, and actually, it was the Ohio one because we were talking about Bessie, the lake area monster. Yeah. And there were a lot of sturgeon in Lake Erie at the time. Um, it's interesting that, like, I, I feel like sturgeon are still going to be a common thought. And even though, like, these wildlife uh, departments, official wildlife, you know, Washington Department, uh, says there aren't any in there, this is 375 feet deep water i mean it's very possible that there's at least one or two living in there uh but what else could it possibly be i mean i don't really know much about washington animals or even lake creatures for that matter so i don't know what would be living there uh you know obviously i would think a sturgeon and if not a sturgeon i'd think more of a crocodile or an alligator but i'm pretty sure they're not up there that's they're more of a southern uh Mm. critter so at this point like i don't really know what that rock lake monster could be but it seems like there's very few descriptions of them uh minus what we have from like the american indians uh from the tribes that had witnessed it in the past well i mean i i believe we talked about that episode too of uh like i believe it was a bull shark that ended up Mm -hmm. in uh freshwater um So, I mean, it is possible that I, now this is a lake, it's a closed off body of water, but I mean, a bird could have had a sturgeon in its claws and it some, for some reason or another, dropped it into the lake. Uh, not necessarily the greatest of explanations, but it's possible. Um, same thing with maybe a sturgeon had eggs in it after it was captured and eggs dropped into the lake. But again, uh, it it's, that's kind of a far fetched theory, but you never know. I mean, Mm -hmm. so I, I feel like a lot of these, uh, cryptid sightings, it, it could be explained by something, something as preposterous as that, but, we have scientific evidence showing that a bull shark uh, swam up a river. Um, I believe you had said an alligator or a crocodile was found somewhere where it shouldn't be right in that mm-hmm. episode. Um, yeah. So, yeah. There's all kinds of things. Um, you know, who knows? Things happen and we don't always <laughs> see what those creatures are uh, until we do. And then we're like, Oh, that shouldn't be there. So we think it's something preposterous, you know, like a lake monster of some sort. Um, But yeah. So. All right. So lastly here, uh, probably the most common cryptid 
throughout the U.S., uh, there's a lot of Bigfoot sightings in Washington State. Uh, from what this article says, now this is from mysteryuniverse.org, uh, it, it's actually the most recorded sightings than any other state, uh, ranging at 573 different accounts. Again, this is ones that are reported. Um, and this is according to the Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh, the first instance of Bigfoot reported by white settlers in Washington is from a letter written in April 1840 by Protestant missionary Reverend Alcana Walker. Walker wrote, The local American Indians spoke of a race of giants which inhabit a certain mountain off to the west of us. And that's a quote. The giants covered in hair would come down from the mountain and steal the tribe's salmon. With 573 reports, sightings have obviously continued. In July of 2000, David Mills, a forest manager with the Sequamish Indian tribe, was inspecting the health of young trees when he heard strange sounds from deeper in the forest. He soon discovered what was making the noise. Uh, I was I watched this hairy thing on two legs, he said. It used its left arm to lift up a branch. He turned in my direction, and I saw I was watching him and ducked behind a tree. The creature was covered in black fur and was at least nine feet tall. Fascinated, Mills tried to get closer to the beast, but it didn't want that. The Bigfoot began to scream and pound on a tree with a rock. The closer Mills got, the louder the Bigfoot's protest. But soon Mills discovered maybe it wasn't him the Bigfoot was trying to warn away. A mother bear and cub came out of the brush to Mills' left. No word if the mother bear was intoxicated. A Bigfoot and two bear. Mills had enough. He turned and ran. I flew down that hill. Then I just hopped in my truck and locked up the gate and left the area. When Mills returned to the spot much later, he found a Bigfoot print 15.7 inches long and 8 inches wide. And that's just one story of the 573 from Washington's Bigfoot sightings. So what are your thoughts on on that sighting? Pretty common, do you think? Probably relatively common anyway. Um, you know, I feel like, again, we, we've talked about him, about it so many times, uh, that a lot of these stories, they're just... Like they're very repetitive, you know. I feel like a lot of these Bigfoot or Sasquatch or Yetis or whatever you want to call them uh, do the same thing over and over. They're they're very predictable uh, when they are around. So I don't know. I mean, I think it probably is pretty common, uh, pretty common to the story. But I mean, I haven't encountered one myself, so I couldn't really say you know how common it is. But what do you, I mean, what do you think? Well, I mean, it sounds pretty common to a lot of. Um a lot of accounts that I've seen where it's got the, the howling or, or yelling and right. the uh, knocking tree with a rock type deal. Um, one thing that did not happen that is kind of common to a lot of sayings is stuff being thrown at the person. Um, that one's and, not common. You said, well, it's, it, that is common, but it didn't happen oh. in this story. 
Oh, oh, I see. What you're, okay, okay. Um, and I mean the size to me sounds relatively large in comparison to some others, but uh, Bigfoot sightings have always varied, and I think a lot of that has to do with people not having a comparison as to how tall the creature is. Mm-hmm. So um, for the most part, I'd say, yeah, it's pretty, pretty common. Um, I don't know. I, I think that I've seen several where the Bigfoot is trying to warn of danger. Um, do you remember of hearing anywhere the, the Bigfoot is kind of like trying to warn the person over scare them away. No, it's uh, everything I've ever heard is like a Bigfoot. Well, I mean, I guess it depends on warning. You mean like warning them to stay out of their territory or warning them from a, some sort of other immediate danger. Uh, like this case, he, they think he was wear, warning of the, the bears. Oh, yeah, I've never heard of anything like that. The, anytime there's ever, like any story I've ever read or I've heard, uh, they're always warning in the sense like, you come too close to me, I'm going to hurt you type of thing, or trying to scare them, but it has nothing to do with any of their other surroundings. It's just, you know, I'm Bigfoot, you're a person, you're weak, I kill you type of thing, you know? <laughs> so that's how I imagine Hulk they smash! They're, they don't see, I mean, they're, Bigfoot are considered by, I don't even know what you consider it, but I guess from as much as we know about them, if they're real, they're considered to be smart. But in my mind, they're still really kind of dumb. So that's why I, they talk like that. Because <laughs> 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 they're animals. Well, yeah, I, I mean, as far as we've heard, they're not of human intelligence, just enough intelligence that uh, there have been reports of finding um, enclosures, mostly like mounds of Mm -hmm. um, dirt uh, packed around sticks, kind of like uh, a lot of people believe the early humanoids lived. So, um, yeah, as far as you're saying intelligence-wise, as far as I've ever heard, yeah, they're they're not of human intelligence. But I mean, there have been reports of these things being telepathic, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because if they're some type of uh, leftover primate per se, uh, no primate that we can scientifically prove has telepathic abilities, uh, right? So. But, all right, folks, that is Washington State. Um, definitely an interesting set of cryptids. Not very common ones at that as well, because uh, I believe the Bat Squatch is limited to Washington State. There is kind of a comparison to a Japanese creature that is it a, a cryptid for the Basquatch, but that is it. There's really no other comparison in cryptozoology. Uh, we've got the Kedborosaurus. We've got the drunken bears, Bigfoot and rock like monster. So I thought it was actually rather interesting 
set of cryptids. But um, we're going to take a quick break here and we'll be right back with Paratruth Radio. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, Yeah. right? And yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? (laughs) The Bigfoot thing is people have seen these and and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chipotas. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. There are spirits everywhere, watching, waiting, seeking that opportune time to reveal themselves like no other. They fill our worlds. So much. Seriously? You didn't just do that. You farted on the promo? What's wrong with you? I thought you were professional. G- go away. Go- I-, I got it. I got it. Hey, everybody. It's Brian Bowden, host of Nobo Boomy, where we explore deep inside the Goblin universe. We have an amazing show that covers the paranormal, conspiracies, music, art, entertainment, trending topics, and so much more. Please join us by subscribing to the show on Podbean at InsideTheGoblinUniverse.Podbean.com, on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and everywhere you find podcasts. It's an informative, fun, and overall entertaining good time, and uh, we'll keep the gas to ourselves. Why don't you burp next time? Someone give me Brian Anderson. Hey everyone, I'm Kat Ward, host of Paranormal Heart, your monthly paranormal podcast. Join me the last Sunday of every month as I speak to people who share their paranormal experiences. You can follow me on Podbean, YouTube, TuneIn, iTunes, Spotify, and Paranormal Radio. Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And we were just talking about the Washington State cryptids. And there's not too many that, that we found. I'm sure there's a few others that are more local, uh, not so much national, so you probably won't find them. Uh, much like what we've seen in Ohio. You know, there's a lot of small things that a lot of people haven't heard of. Uh, but nonetheless, an interesting, as you had said, uh, group of monsters uh, or cryptids altogether. Uh, mm-hmm. Mostly, and, and actually we have one for... Which is funny. We have one for land, sea, and air. So, yeah, yeah that's cool. Um, you know, the one thing that I think is interesting about the bat squatch is that it didn't show up until Mount St. Helens uh, was erupted, right? Is when it first mm-hmm. showed up after it erupted? Yeah, 1980. Yep. So, you know, there's a lot of question as to what that means. You know, is the bat squatch something similar to the Mothman in which it shows up and warns of disaster? Now, there was no indication that anyone saw it before Mount St. Helens broke, blew up, but still 
it's something to question. Or if the creature is actually part, and in, this is the case, maybe all cryptids are, uh, part of some center of the earth theory uh, or conspiracy in which, you know, people believe that there is another world in the center of the earth uh, underneath our surface. And if that's the case, it's very possible that maybe this creature came up out of Mount St. Helens as it erupted, finally finding its release and now is doing whatever it's doing, terrorizing Washington State. Um, it's really interesting, I think. And I, I wish there were more, I guess, like like of all the cryptids that we talked about today, I think that was the most interesting. And I, I wish there were more sightings now, currently, than the ones that we've had in the past. Because, you know, sightings, they become outdated as well. You know, we, we need new information, new sightings to kind of pair things up. But it seems almost as if it just kind of vanished uh, off the face of the earth. So... Is it still around? Are people still seeing it to this day? Uh, and is it actually some type of magical creature? Is it from the center of the earth? Or is it just a made up thing that people have been seeing? Like maybe they've been seeing something completely different and they're just coming up with this bat squatch. Well, I mean, bat, certain bats can get relatively massive. Now, oh, sure. Like the the uh, flying is it the flying fox? fox? Mm-hmm. I mean that's South America, I believe, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay, so I mean it again. It wouldn't be common to uh, Washington State, but that doesn't mean that somehow a large bat didn't get over there. Um, one thought that I had, and you can voice your opinion on this, is uh, if Bat Squatch is a real creature, um, maybe not that it came from the center of the earth, but rather there was maybe a cave on Mount St. Helen that it was living in at the time. Um, and then after it erupted, it destroyed that dwelling. So then the Bat Squatch didn't have its normal dwelling spot. And that's mm-hmm. what forced it out of it. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, sure. There's, there's always, I think we can leave it up to speculation and be right or wrong either way. Uh, so that's certainly possible. But I would think that even if it lived in a cave, like what's the point of staying in that cave? If it's a, if it's a large creature, it would have to come out to eat something much bigger than, you know, whatever you, it would find in a cave, which is most likely spiders and other bats, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, that's not to say that that isn't the case, you know, it's very possible. I mean, some caves go pretty deep into the earth as well, you know, so there could be plenty of things. Maybe it came out at certain times and no one saw it until Mount St. Helens. That's a very possible thing as well. Um, real quick, the flying fox, by the way, is, is, uh, particularly found in Australia, India, and parts of Asia and Madagascar. So not okay. around us. Huh. Well, yeah, I mean, but like I said, you never know. Uh, could be just that this, if this creature can be explained somehow that it either it was a large bat or, you know, maybe there were two creatures around at the same time and this guy saw them and, somehow merge them together in his memory. Um, yeah. Now, there were two other sightings after 1980, but 
Um, I don't know. Bat Squatch is kind of one that is hard to um, say that it was a, a misidentification because it's got two different aspects to it that would hard, be hard to explain. I mean, right. a large ape-like creature with bat-like wings, <laughs> there's nothing in regular zoology that I... As far as I know, and glowing orange eyes. I mean, yeah, maybe it's a fire beast that came from lava, which is why it has the orange glowing eyes like embers. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I or I mean, maybe people were freaked out about the eruption of Mount St. Helen, which I mean, I, I probably would be if there was a volcano near me and it erupted, but um, I can't say that I would have been seeing creatures per se. But um, what what final thoughts did you have on the rock lake monster or Keporosaurus? Uh, both, I think, are mistaken identity. Uh, I think it's just people's whimsical minds, you know, taking over. Uh, I think it's either could be a story. I don't know what it could be. I just don't think it's these cryptid creatures that they think it is. Um, but I'm also very skeptical. That is an unfortunate thing and a fortunate thing uh, that our show has done over the years. Uh, so, um, but nonetheless, yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's if it was in the ocean, I'd be more like. I mean, I know the Catabrosauruses, but the lake, I, the lake, I don't know. I don't think it's anything particularly special in the lake. Uh, but the ocean, who knows? I mean, I guess it's possible. Ninety-five percent of the ocean is still undiscovered, so. It's possible. Well, the uh, the rock lake monster, I mean, it was described as a swimming log. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they really don't go into detail the actual size. How I mean, a log could be four feet long or right. twenty feet I mean, long. It so. could have been an actual log that ran into somebody, knocked them out, and they died. You know, drowned in the water, and they're like, oh my gosh, it tore apart the whole tribe. But we don't know that, you know, because we don't have the details. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's there, there isn't a description, a good description of the rock like mm. monster. Uh, nothing to go off of or to base our, you know, anything off of. There, there's nothing. So, that's interesting and very well could have just been somebody's story one day said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this and there you have it. No description or anything. Let's keep it simple, you know. Yeah. I, I that that the the rock lake monster was the only one that was very vague in my opinion in the description. So misidentification, I agree, could be for that one. The the Kedborosaurus, like I said, that one came out of mythology. So people hearing that legend and then seeing something that they can't explain, they would naturally apply the, the Cadborosaurus, uh, right. to whatever they saw. So, mm-hmm. all right. Well, um, was there anything else that you had on any of these cryptids? Or uh, no, I'm, I'm good. Okay. Well, that is all we've got this week, folks. Um, a lot of interesting things coming out of this episode. I, 
like Eric said, Batsquatch was the most interesting cryptid that we came across. So definitely check those out. Um, MysteriousUniverse.org was where I got the information from and Eric was looking at as well. Um, I, I did look up uh, other sources, but they all had the same description and history. So check those cryptids out. I would love to hear your guys' thoughts and opinions on them. Um, especially uh, Batsquatch and Kedborosaurus. We did want to announce that uh, Pertrothio is going to be going on a hiatus for a while. Uh, I'm on a new schedule, so it's very hard for me to get a chance to record. So uh, we're going to set the uh, hiatus for about, about six months because I do want to work on some other creative areas as well. My writing is what I'm talking about. So um, if we do decide to come back sooner, uh, we obviously will be announcing that to you guys so that you are aware of when we're coming back. But right now we're setting it for six months, um, which would make our comeback around October, Halloween, just in yeah. time. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I thought that'd be kind of appropriate because I had uh, thought what better way to come back than Halloween and do another holiday series of uh, mm -hmm. October, November, December. So, all right, folks, that is all we got for you this week. Unless was there any other announcements you had? Uh, no, I think that's about it. So, yeah. All right. So until next week where you'll find us same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily.